there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, before we dive headlong into advanced medicine this holiday week, I got to ask Dr. Batar one question, and no spoilers included. Did you see the new Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens? Oh, my God. Yes, I did. I'm not even a Star Trek. I'm sorry, uh, Star Trek. See, there you go. I'm not <laughs> even a Star Wars fanatic, but I did yes. with my son. Yeah, my son, uh, youngest son wanted to go see it, so we did see it. Oh, good. Yeah, I took my kids. We went uh, yesterday, and Super Don was actually featured on TV when he went on his birthday last week as a super fan, and he got into a lightsaber battle with the newscaster. It was really funny. Really? Yeah, I was. that was a great birthday. I think his, his sister somehow connected him with this guy, but it, he was like, and they heard his deep voice, and they say, say, Luke, I am your father. Super Don, go ahead. Luke, I'm your father. That's not very impressive. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so no spoiler alert, but we we did a, a mini review, and, and and overall, I thought I thought it was enjoyable, uh, especially for the kids. But it doesn't match the, and uh, nothing could, you know, when you're 11 years old and you go to the theater for the first time to see Star Wars, uh, New Hope. That was Episode Four to begin with. Uh, it's hard to re rekindle that in in even a, a reboot. Yeah, that's true. Um, I actually have never been, like I said, a fanatical Star Wars. Um, fan or anything, and I haven't really even seen any of the movies all the way through. So it, this is a good one. It's just a little, you know, for me, it was, it's not, I think Star Wars is not anything like Star Trek. Star Trek, to me, is far more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it had this, it was more of a social conscious kind of thing, a reflection of what was going on and, and when it originally came out on TV. And it created some uh, indelible characters, un unforgettable characters, of course. The you know the original, of course, of the Star Wars is it was the myth that it brought in. It brought in from all of the you know you could argue no matter what religion you are, you could point to Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, and go they probably got that from my religion, right? They really brought in a lot of the commonalities, and 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 from there it was like a mythic epic story, the the hero's journey, uh, the battle against self, if you will, and it, it just in that way it elevated beyond. On movies before and after in a specific uh, science fiction genre, if you will. I totally agree with that, and I think that uh, compared to what where some of the movies were, so some of the stuff that we've seen, which which I've even heard people that are fanatics of Star Wars say that they were, you know, this was cheesy or that was cheesy. The movie seemed like it was pretty well done. Yeah, no, it was fun. I, I definitely, uh, I'm glad we saw it. The whole family enjoyed it. And, and anyway, just wanted to check in with that before we dive headlong into advanced medicine. We had a, a nice call from uh, one of your patient's parents. Uh, Michelle called last hour. We had a nice discussion on some detox and liver stuff, which was great. And they said they're they're ta they're, they're happy you're you're taking care of their their kid. And then they're next. They said <laughs> they're coming in after that. Uh, so. Uh, this was this a uh, first story I wanted to talk to you about. I think you'll get a kick out of because it's a Fox News story of all things, mainstream media, and the headline reads: "This master mineral could help prevent pancreatic cancer." Now I did, you know, I know how to dress the pancreas and function, but I didn't go in with the article and thinking I know exactly which mineral they're going to say because I never know 
you know, in the mainstream media where they're going to point. But they actually went to one of your favorites. Magnesium. magnesium. You got it, magnesium. And I, I'm almost shocked that this is a reported in a mainstream news source. Well, I don't know. I would think it's a moment of dough myself, but anyway. <laughs> well, for yeah, of course. But, you know, if you think about a mainstream media news source, they never would acknowledge that a mineral might have such an impact that it could prevent cancer of anything, much less pancreatic cancer. Yeah, but, you know, it's so funny that they're talking out of one side of their mouth, not knowing what the other side's saying, because when you look at the Advanced Cardiac Life Support, which is part of the American Heart Association, and I, I haven't taught classes in the last maybe five or six years, but you know, for 20-some years I taught ACLS, and the only drug of choice for torsades, which is an acute cardiac situation, is magnesium. So you know, it's, it's addressed in medicine. In fact, the recent Japanese studies are now validating the use of magnesium intravenously for acute asthmatic exacerbations, and um, this is something I learned probably 25, 30 years ago by an old OBGYN, um, and I should do that all the time with acute asthmatic exacerbations, but giving them magnesium, and I think we've shared some of the stories. You know, that's why they call me Dr. Magnesium in the ERs, whichever ER I was working on, they'd see me coming on shift, and they'd call the pharmacy and get <laughs> you know, 20 vials of magnesium sulfate sent up to the emergency room, because I knew that I would use it through a shift, but, um, you know, it's not... It's not out of the realm of standard conventional medicine, so I'm not sure why more people don't talk about it because it's recognized even in mainstream. And this is a perfect example of the the doctors don't even know their own literature. Right, because what if a, a patient comes into, a uh, let's say, uh, an oncologist's office worried about, uh, do I have pancreatic cancer or not? Is there anything I can do? And they say, hey, you know, I'm taking this magnesium. What do you think that oncologist is going to say? You're crazy. Yeah. And yet you're saying the, the medical literature is replete with references to the benefits of magnesium for so many medical conditions. This one particular report coming out of Indiana University, Bloomington, and they published in the British uh, Journal of Cancer. Uh, they sifted through more than 66, 000, uh, data on more than 66,000 men and women, age 50 to 76, and, uh, I mean, this isn't a small overview to find this out, this, re this relationship with magnesium. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not something that's that far-fetched. That far now, you know, I don't know about the, I can't tell you specifics regarding cancer and magnesium, but I do know that magnesium is crucial to virtually every aspect in the body. I mean, it's probably the most important, you know, ubiquitous mineral, and certainly when it comes to cardiopulmonary um, function and it comes to mitochondrial function and it comes to the, uh, as far as the intracellular ion is concerned, uh, arguably, you know, the most important, if not among the, the most important. Yeah. Now, this, they actually said something definitive here. They found that for every 100 milligram a day decrease in magnesium intake, and they're referencing the RDA, which is very low, as we know. But there's a 24% increase in the incidence of pancreas cancer with every 100 milligram a day decrease in intake. I mean, that's a that's a really direct relationship there as far as uh, the measurement. Um, I didn't quite I didn't quite understand that. Say that again, Robert. So they're saying that for every 100 milligram a day decrease in magnesium intake. 
right. there's a 24% increase in the incidence of pancreatic cancer. Oh, increase, 24% yeah. increase. Oh, I see, I see. This is over, what, a period of uh, a year, two years? Or, when they say 100 milligram decrease over what period of time? Um, they're, they're talking about daily intake, so they're not giving a reference dose, at least that I've seen in this article yet, over what period of time. But they're giving that general guideline over, uh, uh, I guess, the comparison of all of these thousands of people relative to the RDA, if they're below it, at it, or above it, and they, they, ref, they reference the uh, actual risk based on the manifestation of pancreatic cancer. Yeah, so based upon that, if you increase your magnesium intake by 400 milligrams, assuming that you were deficient, that reduces, that brings you um, from... 100% chance of getting pancreatic cancer down to only getting a 4% chance of getting pancreatic cancer. Assuming yeah, you're it, deficient, you know. Right. Like, it's 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 very significant here. And of course, you know, we've had people, uh, you know, discuss write books about magnesium. My goodness, I, I I it's one of my favorite supplements, and of course, yours for many years. But I've never seen it referenced directly the way it is in this article uh, in relation to pancreatic cancer. That's why I thought I was so intrigued by this. I wanted to open with you on it. Well, it's probably uh, another one of those things showing the. Universal consciousness increasing, right? Yeah, well, exactly, that you can't keep keep a good mineral down <laughs> forever <laughs> anyway. Uh, they said research, of course, they always say more studies are needed, but they advise that people should get uh, their RDA of magnesium, roughly 420 milligrams for men, 320 milligrams for women, through diet or supplements. But, uh, I, you know, what we say about the RDIs and RDAs, they're basically subsistence level. I would say even more than that. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, um I think we talked about this before. My um, uncle had written a book, and it's called RDA, Rats, Drugs, and Other Assumptions. <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> That's a great title. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I, well, listen, I'm, I'm always happy that we got a good magnesium news story as it relates to this. And, of course, as you know, uh, you know, our, 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 my friend Dr. Gonzalez, who passed earlier in the year, that was one of his keys that drove him was the reversals of pancreatic cancer, uh, among many things that he did. But in terms of a direct relationship to magnesium, something that is accessible to just about everybody, uh, if they would increase it, there's so many benefits, most as we see directly of, of cardiovascular, but to see it also in relation or relative to cancer risk, it's pretty pretty cool to to uh, take that into consideration. Yeah, absolutely, and it's one of those things, that, as you said, it's so accessible. Pretty much anybody can get magnesium pretty much anywhere, so it's it, it really is. It's truly accessible to every person on the planet and super, super inexpensive. Yeah, very inexpensive, and again, there are topical ways to take it as well as internal. So uh, there's all—it's one of the simpler supplements to address in so many ways. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a—we're there's a, you know, almost up on a break here, but I just want to plant a seed. I want you to think about this uh, because this could uh, stimulate a lot of discussion, or you might just say dismiss it. I don't even want to talk about it. But there's another article here, and this is off of HealthFinder.gov, right? So you never know where this is going. And the headline reads: Scientists link brain chemical to autism. Scientists link brain chemical to autism. And I have a sense of where this would go, but I wanted to say let's read this over the break and then come back and comment on it because they're focusing on the signaling pathways used by what they call a major inhibitory neurotransmitter called GABA, G-A-B-A. And like I said, planting the seed for a discussion on that. Are they right? Are they wrong? Are they half right? Are they quarter right? Are they chasing their tail? Because, of course, there's no mention of mercury here. But if it's another aspect of this, 
manifestation that we can discuss and help folks, I want to do it. Okay. Sounds good? All right, yeah. we're up on the break. Remember, medicalrewind.com, one of the easiest places to catch up with Dr. Batar and myself when we get together each and every week and do advanced medicine. The links are in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. And for those of you who are new, the international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, that is a healing gift that keeps on giving long after the holiday season and New Year season's over. But go get it if you haven't got it already. Back with Dr. Batar after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. All right, have a good time with my friend Dr. Rashid Bittar here doing advanced medicine, covering topics of the day, some from the news story, some from his head <laughs> and experiences that we have. And, of course, one of the biggest issues we've covered over the years together, uh, autism, uh, vaccine damage, mercury relationship. And sometimes we'll see articles that come out, Dr. Bittar, that you know put a different slant or angle on it. Sometimes it adds to the body of knowledge. Sometimes it detracts from it. Sometimes it distracts from it. The question is, the headline reading, scientists link brain chemical to autism, and they're talking about GABA. I just wanted to get your perspective on this. Well, um I think that anything that causes a disruption of the balance of the neurotransmitters, or for that matter, anything in the body, has the potential of causing a disruption that can then lead to an abnormal functioning of that particular cascade, whatever that may be, the metabolic um, reactions that take place. You know, you inhibit. This is where my this is where my philosophy of when you take a drug that inhibits the flow, the energy, but you know, not talking metaphysical, but it inhibits a reaction from actually taking place, then causes, if you will, a backlog, it violates a negative inhibitory feedback loop, and then causes all sorts of other imbalances. And so is it possible that, I mean, I don't, I don't have any specific knowledge on that particular neurotransmitter or its effect on brain cancer, but I do know that the use of anything out of balance has the potential of causing catastrophic effects. So it it would make total sense to me that a disruption like that could cause and be associated with uh, with, with problems, significant well, and, problems. And, of course, we talk about mercury and the need for mercury detox in, in the way that you do it. Uh, but what about, uh, we mentioned last segment, magnesium. Have you utilized magnesium in these kids, and, and to what impact or effect? Do you see this uh, as another consideration? Well, I don't use magnesium specifically for this. Like I would say with a person that comes in that's hyper, hypertensive and having an acute uh, hypertensive crisis, you know, blood pressure of 250 over 150, um, I would hang a magnesium drip, a very specific, not magnesium chloride, but magnesium sulfate, and I would, I would infuse that over within 15, 20 minutes, and it would actually bring the blood pressure down within about 10, 15 minutes. So I'm not doing any type of specific intervention using magnesium with kids with autism or with anything like that specifically, but is it part of our protocol? Without a doubt, magnesium is in probably half the supplements I'm giving them. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you sure. know, it's, in, it's in quite a bit of, uh, of the support protocols that we use. So, yes, I would, I would say that, but I'm not using it for anything very highly specified 
when it comes to the use of autism. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, on this uh, uh, GABA scenario, uh, my wife brought up on the break, she said, uh, you know, she heard a relationship between kava kava, because you often say, well, if you're on this drug, stay away from kava or stay away from uh, St. John's work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. And it's interesting, they said about the, the effects, sedative and hypnotic effects of kava kava, they said, caval. Cavalactones, or I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, cavalactones, increase GABA receptor density in specific areas of rodent brain, especially hippocampus and amygdala, suggesting GABA-A receptor mediation of the sedative effects of kava. They're trying to explain, I guess, the pathways involved, why, you know, in those Pacific, South Pacific ceremonies when they use kava, you kind of tend to get very relaxed. Right, right. That's exactly right. It's a natural uh, anti-anxiolytic and... Uh... Um, uh, sedative, right? Yeah, what do they call it? GABA ergics. GABA oh, ergics. heard that one before. Yeah, yeah, they call it GABA ergics related to GABA A receptor activity, and, and interestingly enough. So the question is couldn't we then look to using kava medicinally as an herb as opposed to making a synthetic drug or a synthetic form of maybe GABA? Um, could we? Yeah, well, I. You know, I think that pretty much all drugs come from the original. There was a there was a really interesting image that I saw, a picture that I saw, and it shows the evolution of drugs and how they all started from an herb, and then from an herb it went to this concoction, and finally we get now to modern day medicine, and now we're going to go back to the same original <laughs> premise upon which we started, which was the use of something natural to elicit a re- desired reaction. Right, and so coming back to your question, um, could we could that potentially benefit by by uh, simulating something that's um, get well, what would the right word the, be? Well, the GABA, GABA pathway. Issue. Just say it, the GABA pathway. I mean, certainly when we see uh, those children within the autism spectrum, and uh, you know th- th- their nerves are firing in such a way that they look to say, "Hey, what can benefit them? Maybe this is something." We'll talk more about that and. A whole lot more things. There's a cancer story here we'll talk about, too. This is Advanced Medicine on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Back after this. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Oh, by the way, if, uh, those of you who are interested in that kava thing, uh, my wife likes the kava king out of Vanuatu in the South Pacific. Uh, real good, clean kava, kava king. Check that out. Anyway, Dr. Bittar, always fascinating discussion with you. Sometimes, again, I, I know I've thrown things at you sometimes, or most of the time you don't even get to watch uh, open the emails that Superdon sends you. Uh, but this is an article that you were able to review at least briefly before we got to this segment, <laughs> and it's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, during the break. <laughs> right, literally during the break here. And I, I thought this was such an interesting article. Not that I necessarily agreed with what they were doing, but, the, you know, I know what the why of it, but really isn't there another way? And I want to get that from you because they, 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 the headline reads, Tomorrow's Heart Drugs Might Target Gut Microbes. So they're basically saying, hey, we now know that the gut microbiome has more of an impact on your body chemistry, your blood chemistry, etc. Why should we give you drugs to lower cholesterol? Why don't we give the drugs to the microbes? And the microbes will stop doing something or something like that. Is that what you get from this article? 
Yeah, that that is what I get from the article. Um, but I think the premise of the article, as with most of these articles, is seriously flawed. And, um, you know, I try to be as politically correct as I can. <laughs> is that true? That's probably not true, is it? I, no, I don't, occasionally no something slips by that I go, dang, damn it, Dr. Batar, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... I'm trying to temper myself as I yes as, I as I mature. Um, yes. I think uh, you know my dad taught me a long time ago. He said, you know, you need to keep your mouth shut and think about what you're going to say for count to ten seconds, and then if you think that you still want to say it, then say it. But give yourself a ten second count. Right, but that doesn't you know, work. I've, when... I've always tried to do that, and the problem is that it's never made any difference. I still say what I'm going to say after ten seconds, so I just say it now. I don't bother. I don't bother waiting for the ten seconds. But anyway, well, I don't think I'm. I don't think I've been too bad on the radio. No, no, I haven't for the made most you part. Get uh, only upset cr- by saying the too many wrong things or, or things I'm not supposed to say on the radio. But I've only cringed occasionally, not occasionally, so bad. Right. No. And we've been doing this for years, so that's pretty good. But of course, when we get together with Ty Bollinger, you can forget all bets are off on what we say. Yeah, well, Ty and I just had a conference call, uh, probably about an hour ago. So it was, that was an interesting call. So you came up on about that. I'll have to talk to you about that later on, but. You know, coming back to this article, I'll mm-hmm. tell you that the bottom line, Robert, is that there's so many rabbit holes that you can run down, and it's it's almost like Alice in Wonderland type of thing. You know, could there be any validity to this? Perhaps, but having um, had some very very intimate and personal experience regarding this particular subject matter. Um, and I think I won't go into all the details, but you know, you of all people know all the intimate details. Uh, it it just isn't so. I mean, it's just well. Here, let me let me just lay this out quickly so people understand. Kind of because this article basically says they're going to target drugs to transform the bacterial behaviors. In other words, bacteria. They say uh, certain bacteria can transform dietary nutrients like choline into a chemical called TMAO, which slows the body's breakdown of cholesterol. And of course, that's still the holy grail for them in, in cardiovascular medicine. It's like cholesterol is still the villain, even though we know it's not. But there are people with what's called hypercholesterolemia, and even they are not necessarily at risk unless there are certain things that are happening underneath that. But it, it is again, it's still a superficial targeting of cholesterol, even though they're going after the bacteria and their relationship. Yeah, the cholesterol is really not the problem, and. I don't care how high your cholesterol is. I don't care how high your triglycerides are. It's not the problem. And and I can tell you that because I have type 2B hyperlipidemia. My triglycerides and cholesterols have been northward of 2,000 before. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting here just putting And I don't take a statin drug. I don't do any of that stuff. Now, I have done certain things. And with just exercise, um, and there's certain dietary restrictions. And that's not dietary restrictions from cholesterol either. It's right. actually having good, good fat. Yes. Robert, I will summarize this for everybody. If you've got a heart condition, and I'm not treating anybody here, but if you've got a heart condition, here are the key things that you need to look at. You need to look at your mineral status. You need to look at your uh, essential fats status. You need to look at your calcium metabolism status. You need to look at vitamin K2 status. And you need to look at, it really comes down to calcium metabolism. What is your body doing? And there is, it's always related to the mineral aspect. It is related to the mineral aspect 
Yes. I mean, it's unbelievable how essential not only having minerals, but then what's happening to those minerals. So you might actually end up having adequate amounts of calcium, but it's being deposited in the wrong areas. It's calcium metabolism, phosphorus, for example, phosphoric acid, and it's balanced in the body. And how we never have phosphorus that's, that's a supplement. Nobody uses phosphorus as a supplement because so many foods have phosphorus in it. But if you have low phosphoric acid and there's a calcium metabolism issue going on, your parathyroid hormone, calcitonin, it's going to be different from each individual. To blanket it and say it's cholesterol or triglycerides, that's yeah. just irresponsible. Well, and again, targeting uh, metabolism, these microbes, so they produce less cholesterol or, or slow its uh, degradation. Again, it's, tar- it's the wrong target. It's, it's tilting Absolutely. It, you, know. Yeah. you know, bears don't have heart attacks, and bears have a cholesterol, average cholesterol of 600, 700 triglycerides around the same range. But bears never have heart attacks. And all the scientific studies in done in the human populations looking at the triglycerides and fats, they've already established that there's a greater correlation between insulin levels, glucose metabolism, and cardiac disease than there is between the lipids. In fact, half the studies have shown in the last 10, 15 years that people with normal lipids still end up having heart disease. And, and there are also people that have very high lipid levels and have no heart disease. So where do we get this aberrant mineral metabolism? That's the interesting question here that's not uh, being asked nor answered. That's a very, very interesting question. I can't give you an answer to that right now, but I believe it's actually in relationship to our environment and our environmental triggers. Uh, everything from how much stress we're under, emotional, psychological stress, to physiological stress, the dietary stresses from uh, eating, uh, things that don't, aren't necessarily the best for us, the toxicological stress. Right. Um, I mean, I think that's really where this altered metabolism aspect comes in. It may be a compensatory response. Um, I don't know. In fact, you may be, uh, as, a, as somebody who's trained in the homeopathic arts, would probably be in a much better place to answer that than I would. Well, and it's interesting because you mentioned phosphorus and phosphoric acid. Uh, we utilize phosphorus as a homeopathic remedy when I talk clinically using it uh, in dealing with fevers or heat or inflammation. Uh, we can also use it to stop bleeding. Uh, it's not the same thing as a as a drug that stops it, but in a sense, in a general sense of how the body will respond to phosphorus as a homeopathic remedy versus as a mineral, which, as you say, it's very prevalent and available. And I, I even think the macro mineral calcium is pretty prevalent and available. A lot of people don't necessarily need massive quantities of it because they're not metabolizing it properly because of other minerals that are lacking. Yep, that's exactly right. In fact, I'll tell you what's really interesting, Robert, and I'm not going to get into too much personal detail here, but what's really interesting is that, you know, this transformation that I told you personally that happened in the last 25 days. Yes. Um, I had a micro tear in my ankle from running hills. Um, every time I do my push-ups, every day I hear, you know, my kids can, like, count how many push-ups I'm doing because they're in a different room, but they can hear my shoulders and my elbows, you know, crackling. And mm-hmm. um, it's really interesting how... The, and again, I'm I'm like you know constantly preaching the importance of minerals, but just this change in the last 25 days, no more crackling in any of my joints when I'm doing my uh, you know push-ups in my shoulders, elbows. Um, that micro tear in my ankles disappeared. Every aspect, it was all mineralization. It was all altered mineral uh, metabolism. And once that's straightened out, it's a it's a, I mean just remarkable how it just changes. So it's a new aspect for myself. And I'm supposed to be one of the people that knows how minerals and metals work in the body. And 
I just discovered something very important and new for me, and that is it's not just having adequate levels. It's actually making sure that those pathways are are moving in the right direction and how do we do that and and um you know that's that's uh that'll be in the next chapter i'm still working on yeah. that <laughs> well and that's the exciting part of the discovery which i i just it thrills me to no end when we get together and talk about these things or things that we are uncovering and discovering or on the brink of you know another layer of this or another angle or perspective on this the thing it, it doesn't disqualify or it doesn't discount the things we know to be true already but it adds to the body of knowledge and gives us more insight in how to work it more efficiently Absolutely. It furthers that knowledge and builds upon the previous knowledge. You're absolutely right. It furthers it. Yeah. It just, again, it's very exciting. But, uh, you know, if you haven't heard anything today, remember, the fear of cholesterol, it's a false flag fear, if you will, in the body that they use to convince you to take liver-damaging, liver-toxic drugs that will further deplete your minerals, which is what the problem was to begin with, not the cholesterol. And when we talk about calcium, it's the aberrant use, if you will, of calcium calcification, calcium deposits. Why is it being put in places in certain forms that it shouldn't be in a normal, healthy metabolism? And these are the deeper levels of understanding of how to work with each individual and their metabolic needs, even though we may all have similar mineral needs, but what is the metabolic difference? Well, Robert, it's interesting, too. It actually goes into a deeper level than that even, and that is mm-hmm. the emotional, psychological aspect of when somebody's told that this is what you need and, you know, you have a blockage that's 90%, et etc. et cetera, and, and, you know, a person understands how this works, uh, somebody who may be in the profession and they're going to somebody that they trust and the person who's trusting, uh, who, who knows this information out of genuine concern really wants uh, the bypass of the stent placed or the, uh, percutaneous transluminal coronary angioplasty to be done or, or whatever it is, or the statin drugs or the beta blockers or whatever the case is. So there's another aspect to this, and that is the emotional component. And do you allow yourself to go down that rabbit hole, again, just like another rabbit hole, or yes. are you going to really try to, you know, uh, step into what everybody else would be, the moving train, realizing that that moving train is really an illusion, which is what you're talking about. You know, it's, it's an illusion, the mm-hmm. cholesterol illusion. Yes. But it's out of fear. It's the same thing with cancer. You know, if you don't have chemo and radiation, you're going to die. Or if you don't take the statin drug, you're going to die. Or you, know, you don't do X, Y, and Z, you're going to die. Um, it, it's actually trusting yourself and moving into, into the right area. So all those people out there that we get calls from literally on a daily basis that don't want to do chemo, that don't want to do radiation, that have even gone to the extent that, you know what, Dr. Batar, if I have to have chemo radiation to survive, I'd rather die. Mm. With that level of conviction, there's something that is motivating that individual. That is something uh, resonating with them, with with their being. Yes. And I think that sometimes that's the resolution one must have. I'm not saying... we got to resolve it all after the break, Dr. Batar. We're right on the edge here. We're going to wrap up advanced medicine, take it to another layer or level after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, y'all, are you looking for Corolla? Some chocolate superfood with organic vanilla. Food-based vitamins keep you a healthy fella. Use your wife's credit card, don't even have to tell her. Go to Natural News Store, that's what it's there for. Get your superfoods, herbs, and a lot more. Feel young like you did before. And let Mother Nature's medicine work it like it's there for. I know you care for your health, therefore. Don't eat those GMOs, throw them out the back door. Don't stay poor with your diet if it's killing you. Enjoy your life with nutrition that's filling you. We got freeze-dried. 
dried fruit that's organic. Super clean, super food, best on the planet. Blueberry, strawberry, even pomegranate. Yeah, it's ready to ship. And if you buy it, you can have it. Yeah, this is Mike Adams, the health ranger. Check out store.naturalnews.com for all your organic supplements and superfoods. Or call 888-959-6415. That's 888-959-6415 to order now. Coconut, maca, spirulina, goji berry, superfood protein. We have a great story from someone who's helped themselves to heal by using the botanical known as carnivora. And we have a guest right now. Her name is Joni Nichols. This is quite a story. Yes, it is. And Robert, I was a mess. I had numerous infections. My hair was falling out all over the furniture. Mm-hmm. One of the scariest things was that my um, legs were swung up out of control. It came to a head. Within 24 hours, I had gone into a coma. Holy and, moly. Um, Mom and Dad decided to get me carnivores and six-week program. Within two weeks, within two weeks, Robert, the first thing I noticed was that I felt better waking up. Then I noticed that my affair wasn't all over the furniture. I'm, like, all excited. And she credits for all of it to her it. carnivora protocol. This is Richard Ostro, owner for Carnivora Research International. Call 1-866-836-8735. That's 1-866-836-8735. Or visit carnivora.com, C-A-R-N-I-V-O-R-A.com. Call now. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. All right, we just learned on the break that uh, Dr. Batar never heard Superdon say, Luke, I am your father, because the patch cable wasn't activated in Dr. Batar's ear. Uh, so so I had to say it on the break, and uh, I don't know. Superdon, you're just going to send him the link to watch you do it on television? Is I think that you what should I do it again, and Patrick should patch it in <laughs> so I can hear it this time. Yeah, that's what I think. Luke. I'm your father. There you go. There you go. Okay, now, that, was, that was all right. That was okay. Right. I don't know, brother. Robert. You, yours is pretty good, though. The father <laughs> I'm your part mother. Was... I'm your mother? No, no. <laughs> your mother. <laughs> Luke, I'm your mother. <laughs> it's transgender Star Wars. <laughs> no, I think it sounds like this. Luke, I am your father. Something like that, because there was a little bit of a British lilt to it. Yeah, but, uh, I did a better job on TV. But. I, I could, but you have to watch it there. But anyway. Okay, I'm going to watch the FaceTube link to see how they came out. Right. So, yeah, you were telling us lightsaber jokes from the television show uh, The Big Bang Theory, which is supposed to be, like, for science nerds and, uh, of course, uh, guilty as, as whatever. But uh, I hadn't had a chance to watch that show. I, I know that Maya Bialik is in it, and she's been pretty vocal. She's like a Ph.D. Uh, bio something or other. She's actually a very smart woman, and she also, I don't believe she vaccinated her children, so I have to give her props for that. Well, you know, what's really interesting is that how we're telling jokes in the break right up to literally the second that we're coming back, and it's probably not setting a good precedence because I've been on other radio shows, and they're all panicking, you know, like 20 seconds into it. Okay, everybody right about and we I mean, we don't prepare for anything. We, and this is what you get. I mean, so I, I'm not even sure if we've ever been on the air where Patrick's put us on live while we're like in, saying something that may not have been, you know, Who are knows? We live? Oh, I didn't realize we were already live. Type well, of thing. I think so. If we said something off the air, you would hear it from your patients. They'd come in and, hey, Dr. Batar, I heard you when you were on the commercial break. They would say in a second they would hear you. That's probably true, yeah. So but, far, so good. But you're right. We don't panic going in and out of breaks, although sometimes if you don't hear the music, I'll have to go, okay, Dr. Batar, wrap it up. We're going to yeah, break. Going to break now. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Exactly. I don't so, even remember where we were at the last break. 
Man, it was a great segment. Whatever we did, it was awesome. You know, and, and the thing is, it, it started, you know, talking about the gut microbes and how they were going to send drugs to the gut microbes to slop, uh, slop, stop the uh, development of cholesterol or something. But it ended up being not surprisingly to me, because when we do this stuff, it is awesome. But we went into some places about uh, the real cause, the real things and the mineralization and mineral metabolism. That was the best we've ever, I recall, discussing. I mean, it really new stuff. Yeah, and then and then also the the other aspect, which is even beyond that, with the emotional aspect, with the mm-hmm. with being able to walk into that proverbial fire, and I think that's what people need to remember is that the message, whatever it is, the action, whatever you're going to do, whatever the actionable step is, must resonate with you. If it doesn't resonate with you, because remember, we are all individuals, we are all different, we all have a genetic uniqueness and biological individuality. And what may be the right answer for one may not be necessarily the right answer for the next person. And your body's own innate intelligence will guide you. You must allow that guidance to to guide you because many times we shut it off. We say, oh, it's in our head. It's uh, just a, my gut feeling. That gut feeling that in your head, that sixth sense, that is that intuition. That is your higher self. That is the universal consciousness. That's source energy. That's God. That's guiding you and letting you know what is and what isn't good for you. So follow that. Uh, honor it, because it will guide you in the right direction. You just have to trust it and move into it. Yeah, yeah it is an interesting uh, perspective to realize we have access to so much information. Like uh, my wife comes in and says, hey, check out the GABA, Kava Kava link. You know, and I wasn't familiar with it, and suddenly we had access to it. But, you know, what if we didn't have access to any of it? You know, no medical science, no nothing. I mean, is there a connection to source of all sources? And I guess that's the point of, uh, you know, the the beauty of that connection, that yet we're so distracted from it with all the easy stuff we can get nowadays. Yeah, it, it really it really is the beauty of, of this whole thing, because that even though if, if you don't have your Internet hooked up and you don't have access to Google, it's okay because there is a Google inside you or a better source than Google maybe, or some would say. Whatever, you know, it depends if you're talking to Mike Adams and his alternate source of uh, search. Good engine, gopher. What is it? Um, good gopher. Good gopher, that's it. Good gopher, right. Right, so We exactly. have it all within ourselves, so tap yeah. into it. That's it. All right, well, the healing power is yours, and it's, it comes bubbling up from within when you recognize it, and we're just here to remind you of it. Uh, Dr. Batar, another great advanced medicine segment. Remember, medicalrewind.com, the easiest place to get the archives, along with GCN or Syndicator, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Epic Times, UK Health Radio, and Talk Network. Thanks, Dr. Batar. What is it we got to say? The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.